thought it was interesting. John was heckling me. Um, I think you're getting revenge for Mark Ritchie having a go at you. But, uh, hmm. but before I start, I, I thought what Pam had to share was amazing because it made me think that each one of us here, someone saw us as just one more soul to be saved. So maybe just take a moment to think of who that person was who came into your life, who introduced you to Jesus. The greatest experience you've ever had and ever will have. But somebody took the effort, the time, the energy to invest in you. So we owe it to invest in others as well. And I think it sort of click, comes together with what I'm going to try and share this morning with you. Um, when John asked me to share some thoughts this morning, as usual, I said yes, and then put it to one side to say, I'll deal with that later. Now, as my wife would testify, uh, later for me usually means last minute. I don't know if I'm the only person here who leaves things like this to the last minute. However, for once, I knew exactly what I was going to talk to you about this morning. Because I've been challenged lately by... Um, one or two people, probably more of that in the hospital, asking me this sort of question. Why are you still a chaplain at your age? I'm 71. Some of them not quite as politely as that. Um, and my response is always along the lines of, well, I enjoy what I'm doing. I still seem to make a difference in people's life. But the main reason is I just love people. That's the bottom line. I love people. And... Uh, and I get the opportunity to meet people that would never, ever come into contact with. Um, and it's this that I want to share with you this morning. Because it's all about love. It's all about, for me, it's all about love. Loving people. And there's two things that's had an impact on me in the last few weeks. That had to do with love. And in particular, God's love for me and for us. And what we do with that love. The first thing was around Stephen Helen's Four Little Ones being dedicated. If you were there, maybe you were like me, a bit emotional. Or in my case, a bit more than emotional. My emotions were starred up because I saw out of the front there, there were four transformed little lives. Where they had been to where they are now on that day was a huge journey and a huge difference. And they saw that difference in those children. Now, you could say in part that was because Stephen Helen had provided them with a safe home, structure, measured discipline. I thought, I guess it's quite difficult with the four of them to get the sort of discipline, the way they rush about. Nourishment. And I could go on and on and on with all these practical things that have been introduced into their lives that were missing before. But you see, for me, the overriding thing that entered those children's lives was love. You see, Steve and Helen know what it is to be loved by God and how their lives are different since they encountered him, since they encountered God's love for the first time. And from what I observe, they do not hold back in sharing the love <laughs> with others. It just seems to ooze out of them. And I would suggest that that should, how it should be for all of us, we as followers of God. We've received this unconditional love. And yet we seem to be 
trapped. We seem to think, well, we've got it. Let's keep it because it's a lovely feeling. Oh, it's so, it's so nice to be loved by God. But we need to share it with everyone that we come into contact with. More of that later. So just hold on to that thought. The second thing that happened was the death of Tina Turner. Um, probably doesn't come as a surprise to you, but I subscribe to Private Eye. And the addition after her death had a cartoon of her arriving at the pearly gates. And the guy on the door said, welcome. And just to let you know, there's plenty of that in here, i.e. love. There's plenty of that in here. So that's why I got you to listen to the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? But after my initial chuckle, I thought to myself, yeah, that's true. There's so much love in heaven. But why should it be limited to heaven? Why can't it be the same here on earth? Love should abound not just in the world, but in our lives. So that's what I want to share with you this morning. Just about love. One of the things I'm not very proud of possessing is cynicism. But uh, I was just thinking... If I've had somebody up the front saying love, I'd be going, oh no, not the, not the four types of love again. I've heard that umpteen times. Or, Please not 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I enjoyed my three years at London Bible College. I learned so much stuff. Um, lots of big words, concepts, lots of isms. And... I'm sorry to say, well, no, I'm sorry. A lot of what I was taught at college hasn't been part of my Christian life out here in the world. You see, I prefer the simple way. I think it's better to tell people that Jesus or God loves them because that's what the Bible says rather than talk about whether or not they are pre- or post-millennialists. I had that conversation my first day at Bible college. I costed one hour into my three-year journey by some absolute nerd who wanted to know whether I was a pre- or a post-millennialist. I hadn't a clue what he was talking about. And uh, when he explained it to me, I said, well, I don't give a... I don't actually give a monkeys. I said, God's going to come back at some point. If I'm here, fine, I'll celebrate it. And if, if I miss it, then I'll have lived a good life and know somebody else is getting the benefit, which wasn't the answer he wanted to hear. Um, but just in case you're really desiring to know what the fourth um, stages of love, there you go. We can move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is fascinating. Um, the number of times the word love appears in the Bible, now you're going to be glad I'm not going to go through all uh, 686 um, reference to it in the Bible, but it just it gives you an idea of how important love is. But what I want to do this morning is the next one. God, I don't know who did this, but mine was a bit, a bit more f basic, just four lines. But this is this is very good. I need to get some lessons on this. But we're going to talk about how do we share God's love? How should we? Why should we share it? 
Should we share it even with our enemies? And what does the Bible have to say about sharing God's love? So that's, that's what I'm going to try and uh, get through this morning. And to help me, I've, I've chosen seven passages just to look at very briefly and to put it into context of um, my experience and hopefully your experience. So the first one is 1 John 4, 78. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love doesn't know God, because God is love. Now that's your homework for this week, is to look at that passage and just see how it affects you personally. Just reflect on it in your own space and try and grasp this amazing truth that uh, we're called to love one another because that love came from God. The next one is John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So how does that relate to us here in Eagle's Nest? We're here because, well, we are. We're here because we live in this area. We were here because we enjoy the format, the structure of church. Maybe we're even here because we like the leaders. I'm sure if I went round and asked you all individually to say, why are you here? I'm sure things like, well, community, um, people love me, all sorts of things would come out. But in a sense, all of that is irrelevant if those outside these four walls don't see what we're like with each other and to each other. And the only way they're going to see that is if they come through the door. So yeah, love needs to abound in us and through us. And if it does that and we take it outside of these walls, it will attract others who want to know what it is we've got. What is it about this group of people who call themselves Eagle's Nest? It's a funny name for a church. Yeah. Who was one, John? Why did you come up with that name? <laughs> mm -hmm. And this is a, a nest for people. Ah, I see. Learned something. I should have asked that question when we joined. <laughs> I've only been here mm, what, for three years. Yeah, But yeah, you, if you get the idea that we, what we've got is special, but the world needs to know what's special about us. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one, with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. The word that sprang out to me in that passage is the word patience. And, uh, and in the context of love, I, I think of very dear friends of ours who are now in, in glory, Evan and Irene. And uh, Evan was one of these guys that had gone to church since he was a little lad, Sunday school. He just went to church. Every Sunday he went to church. Um, it was something he did. And Irene, I guess, started like that. But somewhere along the way, the, the Holy Spirit got a hold of her. And Evan, bless him, allowed his wife the wackiness. And she would go off to conferences and stuff like that. And, but he went to church. And, and we know that Irene, her, her daily routine would be to go down in the morning, put the kettle on, and then just have a quiet time with God, read her Bible study notes, and Evan be upstairs. This is when he retired. And, uh, and she prayed and prayed and prayed that one day he would know that that experience of what it was to, to have the Holy Spirit. Um, but remarkably for Irene, because she was yeah, quite a strong woman, she didn't browbeat him or threaten to beat him up if he didn't um, take on this concept. She just quietly went about loving him and being the wife he'd always had. And one morning, he joined her. He just appeared, sat down. Um, he, he, couldn't un, he couldn't articulate why he did it. He just knew he had to do it. And I think it was after probably about 20 odd years of just praying for her husband to embrace the Holy Spirit that that happened. And uh, but she had patience and the love of God in her and a love for the man that she'd married all those years before. I've been to one or two occasions when this has been talked about and and um, I don't know if you've been to ones where you get maybe you get a card with three spaces and you're supposed to put the three people that you want to see saved on it and pray and, and somehow get them close to God. Well, um, yeah, maybe that works. It works for some people, but I'd prefer just to quietly um, pray for someone. I don't need to be prompted. And I'm sure each of you have... Has, You've been praying for a mem member of your family, a neighbor, a work colleague, possibly for years and years and years. Don't give up, but just be the loving, compassionate, full of kindness, humility, meekness, what it talks about here. And one day, one day that soul will be saved. Next one is 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. That applies to us collectively and individually. So everything that we do in Eagle's Nest has to be done in love. Everything that you do at home, at your workplace, wherever, needs to be done in love. And not for what we can get out of it, should never be a program, um, but more an attitude. Again, I can remember years ago we, uh, when I ran a drug and alcohol rehab, and we 
we always interviewed the new residents coming in to, and we, we were very upfront. We said that we were all Christians and if they were accepted, they, we would pray for them daily. We wouldn't force them to sit and be prayed for, but we, we would pray for them daily. And uh, I, I remember this guy, um, we felt it was right to, to uh, ask him to come and join the, the program. Um, but he declined because he said there was a funny smell in the house. And, um, and when we unpack that, um, there's a passage in the Bible that says, for some with the aroma of Christ and to others with the aroma of death. And, uh, and he, smelt, he smelt Jesus in the place and he didn't want anything to do with that. But we need to go around smelling of Jesus, smelling of the love. Uh, that's that. We just need to have an, an attitude that everything is done in love. Now the difficult one. Luke six twenty seven to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. When I'm at work, I'm on display. I can't hide the fact of who I am. Um, because I, got, I have a dog collar on. So immediately, that's my tunic. And that's my, um, yeah, my work clothes. So everybody knows who I am. And uh, some appreciate it and some just look for a good old argument to have about God's at fault for everything and everything bad in the world. And for me, the challenge is how do I react and how I react makes a difference, either in a good way or a bad way. And at times it is difficult to just be able to, to love everyone equally. I still struggle at times with, with this, but uh, yeah, God is, um, God is great because every time he comes up with the words I have to say when I'm at a loss for what to say. Every time he, he protects me. Uh, there's been some quite interesting situations in the hospital. But it's very clear that we have to love everyone, whoever they are and whatever they believe in. 1 Peter 2 so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As I said 
just a few moments ago, um, I'm, I'm visible, I'm clearly visible. I say to the world that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a representative of God in this, this hospital. And uh, unfortunately, from time to time, I encounter people who are so fired up with God that they, um, they, they really struggle with why they're there in hospital because God's going to cure them. They, they don't want any medical intervention. They don't want any drugs. That would be fair enough if they kept it to themselves, but uh, they tend to be very obnoxious, aggressive, have been known to be violent, and uh, probably won't come as a surprise, but on more than one occasion, I've had a one-to-one out of earshot with people with these folk and just point out that they're they're bad news. Um, Why would anybody choose to follow Christ if you're an example of what a Christ follower is? So we need to be careful on what we say and how we say it, that we don't put people off coming to know Jesus. I said we wouldn't do 1 Corinthians 13, but I've sneaked this in. Just as a second last one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but of not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. I guess this is back to what I was saying earlier on, keeping it simple. Keeping our expression of God's love to others simple. And not to be the critic. On the prophetic powers, I I think of one, one evening going to a a charismatic church in Graz where we turned up at the door with our friends and the, uh, the bouncers on the door, um, three very well-meaning women, uh, stopped us and wanted to pray over us and to sense if there was any aura of negativity and, and were we demonically possessed. And, and they, were, they were expressing this to us and, and they went through all the motions and which I thought was a load of tosh. And um, at the end, I said, um, do you get many people come to your church? <laughs> well, no, we, we, we are struggling. I said, well, no wonder if this is, if this is a welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm a mature Christian and you've already put me off. Why would I just walk in off the street and get this mumbo jumbo that you somehow have got this miraculous prophetic power to sense whether I should be allowed in or not. Mm. Yes. I'm sure nobody here would be that insensitive. But there is a danger that we we can become super spiritual and the ordinary person just perceives this as being weird. 
goes back to my my thing about you know the fundamental that I believe in is that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. And I mean, that's nice and straightforward, simple, and it's the truth. I don't need to wrap it up and um, praying in tongues over everybody I see or whatever. There's a time and a place for it. The final passage is 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. I guess that's my prayer, my desire for each one of us here this morning, that the Lord will increase and abound in love in each one of us. And who knows, who knows what will happen uh, within our community. You'd have the second-hand emotion. When I looked at this chorus, I thought, is it something that we should embrace? Because I don't know about you, but second-hand, does it mean to you second-best? Something that somebody's used and discarded? Something that's worn? Something that's definitely not new? As I thought about it, this sentence sums up what I have in my life, what I choose to give away. You see, the love that I have in my life is what I received. It's what I received from my wife, from other people, my family, from this church. But the greatest is the love that God has given me. So in a sense, that was the first so anything I give away is second hand because I'm giving away God's love that he's put in me. His love is first hand. So as I say, what I share with everyone that I come into contact with is second hand. And this is what I plan to continue doing until the day I die. To be a carrier of God's love, to be a dispenser of second-hand love. And that would be my prayer for each one of us this morning, that we can give thanks that God has loved us. Now we have a duty, we have a calling. We need to let the world know about this love. And certainly, um, one of my missions in life is that everyone I can come into contact with, and certainly my job in the hospital, um, can no longer say it when they meet their maker, nobody told me. I didn't know. Nobody told me. So everyone I come into contact with, I talk about God and God's love and what it means to have God's love in your heart. And give them the opportunity to accept, to accept God. And many reject. 
but that's their choice. The choice I choose to make is to ensure that everyone, everyone I come into contact with knows about the love of God that is available for them. So I'm just going to ask Joel to come up and um, I thought you did really well. Okay. I like the acoustic set. It's a bit... Uh, I like loud music, but, but it's nice when it's just the one guitar. And as he's getting ready, can I just pray for us? Mm. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this group of people meeting here this morning. I thank you for the folk who invested in our lives all those years ago that shared this second-hand love, that pointed us in the direction of you. I thank you that we have chosen to follow you. There are probably many countless numbers of people that we know that we would love to to welcome here to uh, to have them recognize and choose to follow you so I just I pray this morning that we would continue to faithfully uphold those in our prayers those people in our prayers that we would um, have the patience to see them come to faith I also pray for the community of Arnold out there. Um, like so many communities struggling with, um, with life. Just getting by. But it would be so much different if they knew and felt the love of God in their lives. So make us a people who carry that love into the community. Help us to be effective um, in our mission to see Arnold become a, a place just full of your love. And the exciting thing is that you choose ordinary people like us to make a difference. So I just pray a blessing on all of us here this morning that we can fulfill the great commission to see your love come in our community. Amen.